Hello and a very warm welcome to you our dear listener. This is the New Life program coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. We have a great show lined up for you. Thanks for joining us. My name is Nixon Ratemo. I'm glad that you have tuned in. To start off the show is Emmanuel Sande who will be talking about perceptions and memories on the health talk. Then later, Ian Muse will be joining us in the Bible segment with the topic Enduring Temptations. But first, let's get the song Yesu Bwana Yuaja. Stay tuned. Mami 
Welcome back my dear listener you are listening to the new life program coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi and this is Adventist World Radio the voice of hope here comes Emmanuel Sunday with more on the perception and memories remember health is wealth stay tuned and be on the know Hello and welcome to our health lots. In our program today, we're going to talk about perception and memory. The definition of perception includes awareness. Levels of awareness vary with excellence of physical, emotional, and social habits. So subtle are the adjustments of the mind that one is really conscious of a difference in the highest and lowest levels of awareness. Drugs taken affect perception. Certain types of blood pressure medications have been shown to induce memory impairment. Even when fairly pronounced, the subjects were unaware of their memory loss. Perception is also influenced by the physical habits. According to messages to young people, it's clear that those who would have clear minds to discern certain devices must have their physical appetites under the control of reason and conscience. The moral and vigorous action of the higher powers of the mind are essential to the perfection of Christian character. It's also evident in the medical ministry that the world's redeemer knew that the indulgence of appetite was bringing physical debility and deadening of the perspective faculties so that sacred and eternal things couldn't be discerned. He knew that self-indulgence was perverting the moral powers that man's great need was compassion in heart and mind and soul, from the life of self-indulgence to the life of self-denial and self-sacrifice. In Councils on Health, we learn that the lower passions are to be strictly guarded. The perceptive faculties are abused, terribly abused, when the passions are allowed to ruin it. As far as memory is concerned, sensory input of information, recognition, comparison, and evaluation are the first steps toward encoding information. Immediate recall, short-term memory, and long-term memory are the types of memories. Apparently, everything experienced is encoded as if by a giant movie camera, but only selected items are designated for recall. Memory retrieval is by a delicate system which can be injured by using wrong circuits for actions such as lying, carelessness with promises, make-believe, doing that known to injure one, and excessive talkativeness. Many of these processes occur at cellular level, not at the conscious level. Physical habits and diet strongly influence the outcome that is before learning the pyramidine particles are scattered at random. During the REM, rapid eye movement, sleep memory particles are attached to the system in a permanent pattern. In order to improve your memory, observe strict regularity in all things. Never lie down after a meal. This promotes any senility. Don't crowd too many things into a small amount of time. On the other hand, don't allow time to pass without profitably using it. 
Country living with strict simplicity is most favorable to learning as well as to easy recall. Keep all things orderly in your surroundings. Don't keep in your home more things than you are able to keep in perfect order and condition. Don't have something on every desktop, table, or bookcase. Have much open space on walls, floors, yards, etc. Avoid clutter. Also, eat nothing between meals or within several hours of going to bed. Intestinal fermentation produces toxins that injure and dull the mind. Use little fluids or liquid foods at meals. Use few dishes or varieties of foods at a meal. Especially avoid harmful combinations such as milk-sugar-egg mixtures or fruit-vegetable mixtures. Never overeat. Excess nutrients such as potassium cause mental confusion. Excess sodium suppresses norepinephrine production, resulting in lack of alertness. With the electron cephalogram brainwave, we can get an indication of states of alertness. Brainwaves are slower after large meals, faster during prayer and in fasting states. Fats of all kinds contribute to mental forgetfulness. Keep a program of study of new things constantly going. Avoid excesses in all pleasurable pursuits. Overstimulation of sensory nerves sets up a condition causing forgetfulness. Avoid smoking. Smokers have been shown to have poorer memories than those who do not smoke. Lastly, train the mind to dwell on heavenly themes. It's a law of the mind that it assumes the level of those things which occupy it. Dear listener, we thank you for tuning in and it's our prayer that the Lord will continually bless you abundantly as you plan to join us in our next program on health. For those of you who are just joining us, this is the New Life Program with me, Nixon Ratemo, your host, coming to you live from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. You haven't missed a lot. If you wish to drop any comments, suggestions, or ask questions, please do so through writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box, 42276 code 00100 Nairobi Kenya or email us at awrnairobi@ekyu.adventist.org and this is Adventist World Radio the voice of hope don't change the channel Oh, oh, oh. 
station we are because you are and now please join me as i welcome ian muse for the bible segment his message is enduring temptations be blessed I greet you, dear listener, in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our study today and feel at the presence of Jesus Christ. The topic of our study is Enduring Temptations. I am your presenter, Ian Muse. Blessed is the man that endured temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when he last hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. James chapter 1 verse 12 to 15, King James Version. Does this mean that it is an honor to be especially tempted by the devil? Apparently, the Bible writers were also convinced that temptation can be a good thing. Yet, the thought is in total conflict with all the painful human experiences we have suffered in meeting temptation. Most people consider it to be a necessary evil, downright destructive in its influence. But let us count it joy when we are brought into points of trial, and when the demons come around, even though it's a battle, you may know that the Lord is still working in your life. That is Christ is fighting for you. We certainly need to understand that there are some redeeming features about temptation. First of all, it proves that we have moral insight. No one can be tempted unless there are meaningful choices to be made. 
issues of right and wrong must be clearly distinguished. People who see everything in the moral realm as a kind of dull grey cannot pass through any great battles of the mind. One must have a special consciousness of good and evil in order to be tempted. Many modern religionists seem to have only small, average consciousness which may account for the lack of spiritual conflict. What a contrast to the greatest characters of the past who seem to have had a dramatic hand-to-hand combat with the devil. Martin Luther's confrontation with Satan was so real that he is reported to have thrown an inkwell at his tormentor. You are to be congratulated then if you find yourself tempted. It is certainly implies that you are seeing the issues correctly. But now comes the most crucial question. After we recognize the true situation before us, how do we find the power to choose the good over the evil? Paul sends the urgency of this question when he wrote his first letter to the Corinthian church. No one could have been faced with more obvious choices than the, those few Christian citizens of Corinth. The pagan world of the flesh stood out in vivid contrast to the self-denying lifestyle of their newfound faith. There was no question with them about right and wrong, and Paul wrote, They had no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with temptation also make a way to escape, that he may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 This verse contains a wealth of inspired encouragement for anyone who is struggling against a recognized evil. The Apostle warned against making an exception of ourselves. It is so easy for us to feel that no one else has ever had to face the enemy in the same way that we have to. Our burden appears heavier and our battle seems more severe than any which others have experienced. Paul said that this is simply not true and we must not allow ourselves to think it for a moment. This is old stuff. No matter what we suffer, the very same temptation has come upon a million others long before you were born. How very much we like to consider our situation different from all others. This provides a very clear rationalization. This provides a very clear rationalization just in case we lose the battle and deal to the temptation. If our case is so different, God cannot judge us as strictly as those who have a much easier test. The businessman consoles himself that cheating on taxes is not usually the right thing to do, but he has suffered more shoplifting losses than anyone else. And and besides that, he has been more discriminated against by government bureaucrats. And besides that, he has been more discriminated against by government bureaucrats. Marked down. Almost every sin will be prefaced by these words. I am an exception. We must constantly remind ourselves that this has been the captive of Satan for 6,000 years. All he tried to do in the wilderness of temptation was to convince Jesus that he was different. Every one of the three approaches Satan used was based on the idea that as the son of God, he could do things that no one else could do, turn stones into bread, or jump off the pinnacle without being hurt. Now Paul hastens to assure us that God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. That is reassuring and comforting. 
but why should we allow any agonizing conflicts to engulf his people? Why not simply remove all temptation? The answer is found in James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that he may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Temptation provides opportunity for spiritual conquest and growth. It is not a disgrace to be tempted. If there are no battles, there can be no victories through strong decision. Neither can there be any nobility of character. Virtue is tried innocence, and tried goodness may be no goodness at all. I could possibly sequester myself in a solitary cave somewhere and not commit an outward sin for a whole week simply because I wa simply because I would have no contact with any other person. Will that week prove me to be a virtuous individual? Not at all. Christianity is not merely the absence of wrong behavior in the life. It has to do with an aggressive practice of positive virtues as well. My life in the cave might prove more than I would like it to. My life in the cave, my life in the cave might, my life in the cave might prove more than I would like it to prove. I will be good, but good for nothing. The person who avoids all temptation by avoiding contact with all people may do no harm, but neither does he do any good. He is morally anemic. Now we are brought to Paul's assertion that God will make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Does this mean there will always be an easy road out of every temptation experience? No. It just means that in every moral trial, God will provide us an alternative. There will always be two paths leading out of each temptation. One, the alluring path of evil. The other, an appealing path of good. Paul is saying that we are being drawn into Paul is saying that we are being drawn in two directions every time we are tempted. At the same time, we are tempted to anger. The Holy Spirit draws us to self-control. When we are tempted to be dishonest, the Holy Spirit draws us to use integrity. Temptations often appear irresistible because, through neglect of prayer and the study of the Bible, the tempted one cannot readily remember God's promises and meet Satan with the scripture weapons. It will be useless to deal with the subject of temptation without recognizing that the ultimate answer to this problem is a spiritual yielding to Christ. All the counsel in the world and all the knowledge of sin's devices will be less than useless if the mind is not surrendered to Christ. Thank you, listener, for your time, and God bless you. I was your presenter, Ian Musa. Thank you so much for staying tuned throughout the show. I hope that you are blessed just like I was. Don't forget to send us your views, comments, or questions about the show by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Email us at 
awr nairobi at eku.adventist.org Until next time, I've been your host, Nixon Ratemo. God bless you abundantly.
Si 